I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on the new Black Wealth and the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me for this conversation is Jabari Young. He's a senior writer for Forbes. Jabari, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you. Also with us is Tanisha Williams. She is the broker and owner of Elite Realty, one of the most powerful and influential brokers in Florida with an incredible story. Tanisha, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mark C. Smith. He's a senior vice president and portfolio manager for Wells Fargo Advisors. Mark, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on again, Lisa. Mark, I want to start with you in, term, in terms of the big picture. When I told you the title of the show that it was New Black Wealth, you took a little bit of issue with that because of these reports that we've been seeing about uh, black net worth not really advancing, despite the fact that the spending is at an all-time high. Can you explain that to us in terms we can understand? Yeah, I mean, when, when you, I think the title of the New Black Wealth is, is, is a great title for only talking about the top, you know, 0.1% of African-Americans, but... I think what, what what I thought was more appropriate is the is the uh, the black wealth gap, which is the difference between what the average African American has in a net worth compared to their white counterpart. And if you look back going to the civil rights movement in the 1960s, uh, the net worth of black Americans have naturally not gone up one iota since 1960. If you look at the charts, so you know I think that's something to be said about that. And you know we can talk about you know institutional racism starting back from the days of Jim Crow and, and how just recently things have changed um, where you have banks now, they stopped, they've recognized that redlining did happen. And so that it, uh, impacted a lot of the black wealth that happened around the country. And then you had uh, a number of different examples of people getting their land seized. Actually, there was just a case in California that was opened up recently by Governor Gavin Newsom with a, with a number of different African-Americans that had their, their, their land seized by eminent domain and um, after generations of saving, scrimping um, to, to buy land was just taken from them in one full swoop. And so there's a case because of all these things that have happened to African-Americans over the course of American history for reparations. Um, there's really no way to fix the issue with trying to improve the situation of African-Americans economically um, without talking about reparations, because unfortunately, you can't go and buy land in this country without significant down payment, great credit, and a bank being on your side to afford that property. And so if you don't have the money to get in the game, you're never going to improve the situation. And so that's something that I think that needs to be talked about. I think you're hearing it come across uh, on a number of different states, specifically in California, where this is being addressed. And you got to think about it. You know, We are one of the few um, ethnicities who have been wronged in this country who have not received compensation for that wrong from an economic standpoint. You go to the, you go to the Asians during the internment camps, during World War II, you go to um, American Indians with different uh, the tribes who got um, you know the reparations by land. That, exactly. So you're seeing a number of different folks around this country, and, and historically have gotten reparations for their wrongs, but African Americans have not. And I think that that's where you're seeing the, a huge gap between. That's why there hasn't. Uh, there, so basically, you're sa- are you saying that basically African Americans in the United States, it's it's. It's always it's a constant game of catch up and you can never really get ahead because you're starting not from zero, but from below zero. Correct. Tanisha, tell us your tell us your story, how you got started in you were a teen mom or are, were a teen mother. You got started. You have your own real estate business now. You're one of the biggest in the state of Florida. Tell us how, how you how you close that whole, you know, how you close that gap for yourself. 
Well, that's exactly how Elite Realty Partners got started. When I realized that it was not just disparities and racism amongst Black homeowners, but there is also racism that exists amongst Black real estate professionals. When I realized that as a new agent, I decided that I wanted to be a top real estate brokerage as a Black woman and help bridge the gap. You know, we are involuntarily yet unapologetically an all-minority brokerage. So that means I have at least 200 Black agents that are in the community to help bridge this African-American home ownership gap. And that's why we're doing it. Even though we don't get the same treatment, when we go to a listing appointment, it is not the same as when our counterparts go to a listing appointment. But this is why we're doing it. And this is where my core values lie and being just breaking barriers in this market as a black female and for my other black real estate agents and black homeowners. Right. And I know a big part of your whole your your whole your whole business plan and your vision is also empowering other people. And you've empowered uh, empowered so many other men, but a lot of women, too, to get into it. Oh, absolutely. You know, the the truth is that there are over 200,000 real estate agents in Florida and only about five percent are black. And that means that probably about 1% or less even produce. So the fact that we have all of these black agents here at Elite that are producing now, I mean, they came from other brokerages that don't look like us and they weren't producing. So it's just a certain level of care and relatability that we have here at this brokerage that penetrates with our agents that allow them to produce and help the community in a big way. No, that's fantastic. Jabari Young, you you write about a lot of athletes, about very highly successful athletes. You just wrote and, and interviewed uh, Megan The Stallion about her business plans along with her music career. Do you take the same view? Do you see that the, the that this lack of net worth growth is due to, you know, things from the past and other obstacles that continue to exist systemically? But you see you, when we spoke before the show, you you see some kind of hope and you see some of these barriers breaking down. What's your take on all this? Well, you know, Lisa, again, thanks for having me. And, you know, I, I can't sit up here and disagree with any of the stats that, that Mark threw out there. You know, I think uh, traditionally, historically, we see that it's a problem, right? You know, you see that, uh, you know, Blacks have been unfairly, uh, you know, treated. Uh, we still go through discrimination in the workplace. We still go through discrimination when trying to build. Uh, but, you know, that there is a, a bright future. You know, listen, the, the 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 barriers right that were there historically have been removed through uh you know the information age right we're more connected than ever right uh we're probably more anti-social in a social media uh environment but we're more connected than ever right you could pick up the news and see something that happened unfortunately in memphis instantly right we're back in the day when you know i'm i grew up man you had the, the newspaper was still you know relevant but you know you didn't get that type of of, of quick news uh, and so, you know, the, listen, the information barrier is there. NIL now uh, allows, you know, young black uh, athletes to get some type of income uh, a little bit earlier now. So, you know, the, the pathways to revenue is there right now. I had a conversation with a, a professor at Columbia last night before I hopped on this call today. And I was asking him, hey, when we have discussions about black wealth, what is the one thing to keep in mind? And he said, Jabari, you know, th- that there is hope 
for our future, right? And what is that future? Again, the information barriers, they're gone, right? You There's have so much more information, exactly. You have so many other platforms that you can go out and make revenue. It's just about the key thing he called the specifics, right? Learning what a savings account is, learning how to be better with money, learning what credit card interest is, those things, those small things that's going to help you because the money's coming, right? What's going to help grow the money, sustain the money, create that black wealth? And I think that that's what the, the key is. That's what the future is. You have a young generation and Generation Z. They're very smart. They're very intelligent. They saw what happened. They see what's going on. 50th anniversary of hip hop. We see more entrepreneurs coming out of this music genre than any time. Right. Uh, and so I think there's a, the future is bright. It's about sharpening up the, the, the small things, the specifics, the foundation to grow your wealth. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll get a take um, from our guests on all of these aspects of this topic and also what role is social media playing in terms of people living beyond their means? That's coming up next. Hey, yo, 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 what up, what up? It's the infamous Mob Deep, prodigy right here, you know what I mean? And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, you know what I mean? And real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the new black wealth and the, the wealth gap. That's, which is a very real thing, despite tremendous progress that's being made. Joining us for this conversation, Jabari Young. He's a senior writer for Forbes. Jabari, great to have you with us. Glad me. Thank you for joining us. Also with us is Tanisha Williams. She is a broker and owner of Elite Realty, uh, one of South Florida's biggest brokers. Uh, thank you so much for being with us, Tanisha. We appreciate it. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Also joining us is Mark C. Smith. He's a senior vice president and portfolio manager for Wells Fargo um, Advisors. And Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Good to see you again, Lisa. We, we appreciate it. Tanisha, what about in terms of people's attitudes towards, especially in the African-American communities, towards home ownership? Because, you know, there, there's plenty of neighborhoods that we have in New, in New York City and in many other other cities where there's longtime homeowners, people who have been there for years and years and years. And then we're also seeing on social media, there's DJs that are buying houses now, the first one in their family to own them. Of course, artists that make millions, we expect that. But a lot of people who are kind of in that middle range who are saying, I'm the first one in my family to actually own this. And this is what I did. In terms of all of these buyers that you have helped to make successful homeowners, you and your team, what are you seeing? I, I get excited for what I see. I believe that in the next at least 5, 10, 15 years, there's going to be a serious wealth transfer. A lot of what um, even Jabari was talking about as far as the information that's put out there, well, it's going to take some years for that information to penetrate. For example, you know, I am a first generation business owner, you know, big time doing this for my family, but my children are the ones that are going to know entrepreneurship from birth, really, right? Only thing they're going to know is entrepreneurship. Only thing they're going to know is real estate. Only thing they're going to know is wealth. So as they grow up, that is where you can change the trajectory of generations and legacy. And because there's so much information going on right now and everybody wants to be a homeowner and everybody wants to build wealth, what this is the information that's going to be passed down to our children. So I get so excited when we have countless buyers where they are first generation homeowners and I take my time with them, you know, and that's really the problem, to be honest with you. Majority of loan officers, they're just about the money. Right. They're not. Take the time, the time. Right. 
Yeah, they're not taking the time to promote financial literacy. You know, when we have our buyer consultations, we're teaching them how to save money. We're teaching them to, hey, get an account that you don't have access to so you can save this money to build your down payment. You know, it, it goes far beyond the sale with us. And I believe that is where the results are. That is how we get them to the closing table because we're taking our time to hold their hand and teach them something that they didn't even get from their parents or their teachers or their community. So and we- on, on that point, I, you know, I, I can't agree more. I mean, why isn't it that the public school systems across this country educate our young people about how to do something like own a home? I think most politicians in this country say that's a part of the American dream is owning your own home, having a piece of land. And we don't teach that in schools. We teach everything else but that. And it's, and it's sad about budgeting like Jabari was talking about. You know, most folks that I talk to don't have a budget. They don't know how much they spend every single month and you can't grow wealth without that. And so a budget is so important. We don't teach kids to budget in our school system. We don't teach kids about financial literacy in our school system. We don't talk to them about debt and credit and how important that is such an early life. When I was in college, I, I had a, got a credit card and maxed it out on books. You know, if someone would have told me, hey, maybe you should go to the library and just, you know, take some books out because that credit card debt was uh, interest rates 25 percent. You know, maybe I wouldn't have done uh, uh, use that credit card for that type of reason. But you, we don't have that in our school system. And if our parents don't know it and our grandparents didn't know it, how are we supposed to? So I think it's incumbent upon the politicians to really hone into that piece of the um, education system and, and find some way to educate our young people about debt, budgeting and, fi- and, and financial literacy. Jabari, when you when you talk about the, some of the big figures in sports that have also had a tremendous community consciousness, one of the things that I've seen, and I'm sure we, we've all seen, is when you, when you have a black superstar, there's an, almost an expectation that they have to give back in some way to their community. And you look at Magic Johnson, what he did very early on, I mean, years before we were even, you know, really even before social media, like going way, way back. Um, with his business plans, with his his community development plans, we see Shaq O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal here in uh, in Newark. What he's doing for the community that he grew up in. What do you what do you see about men like that and the, the success stories like that that we can draw inspiration or or just lessons from? Well, you know, listen, Lisa, you you've named a whole bunch of them already, right? You know, we we already know the the pioneers of the business, but you know, touching on something that both Tanisha and Mark said, and, and kind of bringing it home, and, and Tanisha said it's going to take a few years for us to get the infrastructure right on that ground level, but she also mentioned that you know they teach, you know, she teaches people first time home buyers about saving money when they get down, right? Shouldn't take that long, as Mark said. The public school system is where you learn this stuff, right? I learned how to sew in middle school, right? And I still learn how to sew today. I saw a hole in sweatpants. I ain't throwing these away. I'm going to sew these things up. I learned that in middle school. I had consumer education in middle school. And I feel like, uh, you know, you've got guys like Namda Gasu, right? Philadelphia Eagles lineman. He's doing a phenomenal job in trying to raise an incentive program to make it mandatory for high schools to teach financial literacy because, you know, and I say, listen, Namda, go down even another level. Take it to middle school. High school, you may have already lost the students. You may have, they already are onto the world they own. They got their phones. They pay. So you may already middle school is where you learn this stuff. Again, I learned how to sew in high school. So I think it's very important for us to get to that, that to get to them younger. My daughter, her favorite board game is Monopoly. And I love it because it's real estate. It's teaching about money. And I love it. That's an education. I'm able to learn through that small things like that. But, you know, you touch on all of the pioneers, the LeBron James of the world. They're doing wonderful jobs. Yeah, LeBron, but, I should you know, mention him. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Shaq is, uh, is, is wonderful, right? He's going and learning for, uh, the 
franchising business and restaurants, uh, has the, the big chicken up there at UBS Arena where the New York Islanders play. I think they're all phenomenal people, but I think you also pay attention to the other guys who may not go and he may not, they may not be named as enough, right? LaShawn McCoy. I know he's doing his thing on TV, but he's also big into real estate. One of the people that I really enjoy having business conversations with is Grant Hill, big into real estate. So I think there are a lot of areas that we can learn about financial literacy, real estate. You know, I'm looking at a, a Wells Fargo report. It said black people are the least likely group to buy a home. And we see how important home ownership is. And so I think we've got to keep clean up that stuff. Athletes help. The information helps. It's about us doing it and us at okay, the Foundation earlier. And you, let, me, let me bring this in. The, 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 our, our popular, our, our American culture is based on consumerism. And especially yeah. for the group that would be in the first time Home ownership. Everything you see on everything you see on your phone is people are you know living their best life. They're they're wearing the seven hundred dollar sunglasses or the fifty dollar knockoffs that look really real or whatever. But but Mark, what about the consumerism? Is is that a threat culturally? Uh, culturally, absolutely. And, and you know the, you know the proliferation of hip hop over the last forty years in this country has really kind of put on a pedestal that type of lifestyle. You know the lifestyle that where you spend what you don't have. Um, if you look at the top artist, even Rihanna was bankrupt, right? So that, that she's come back quite a bit from there. But if you look at the papers, she was bankrupt uh, right before that happened or going into and bankruptcy. And now she's going to be at the Super Bowl, yeah. And now she's going to be at the Super Bowl. Um, you've got guys like Lil Wayne who's have cars repossessed. I mean, for every person you can pick out, they did something um, uh, bad financially and then learned from it and hopefully improved their life. So, yes, consumerism um, is definitely a part of the culture. You cannot own anything in a capitalistic society without capital and you save capital by having a job or a career or being an entrepreneur, saving and being disciplined. And then you're able to acquire real estate, stocks, portfolios, wh whatever it is. But you've got to get that savings piece first. Tanisha, what about that? You know, my mom always told me it's not about what you make is is what you keep. And <laughs> the, the lack of mentors in the black community is also an issue. See, exposure is what leads to expansion. And a lot of us, truth be told, we're just not exposed. So we're expecting a community to just know something and do something and they haven't been exposed to it. You can take entertainers, athletes. I've even heard this where they may be directing someone that doesn't look like us on what to do and how to do it with their real estate portfolios and how to save their money. But black athletes and black entertainers, they don't get that type of mentorship. They're, they're just looked at as a dollar sign. So even though they have the money, if they don't have the mental maturity or a mentor that's helping them and guide them to what to do with the money, then they're going to be in the same situation because money does not make you wise. No experience and a mentor is what makes you wise. So Absolutely. I believe we need to protect our athletes. We need to protect our entertainers more so so they know exactly what to do because obviously their agents and those people that don't look like us that's managing their money is not advising them correctly either. Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, it's changing. That's It's changing, you know, and, and listen, for every athlete that we can sit up here and name that went and had financial problems as well as rappers, you know, there are some good ones as well, you know, and I think that, again, that information Age, the information age that we're in now is helping uh, because people are much more aware of mistakes. You can just tap Google right now and search how to open up an account. Uh, right. There, there is no more excuses. You know, it, it really isn't. You know, I had a chance to take a trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and was really walking the grounds of Black Wall Street, and it was demoralizing in a way, but also inspiring in another way. 
because you still see a community, though everything that's happened to that community, and we all know the history of it, um, they're still on the ground. They're still trying to build. They're still fighting. That, to me, is the spirit of black wealth. But, you know, when you go to that community, you realize that, you know, they have that, you know, put my boot in the, my ground, put the shovel, and they, they want to build, right? How are we helping build them? I think it goes back to not only black athletes understanding what to do with their money, right, but also sharing that economic resource, right? The leagues going and saying, hey, we're not only going to go and build you basketball courts, right, and help nonprofits. We're going to help the for-profit businesses. That's how you change the black wealth, right? It's not just about the nonprofit, right? One of the lines I heard down there from a brother says, we've been nonprofit to death, right? And I felt like that was important because what are we doing to help the for-profit business in right. order to change the narrative about the black wealth? So that way, the next time we own the show with Mark, we don't have to call it. We can say, hey, this is where our black wealth is and this is where it needs to go. Jabari, but think about this. As I'm, I'm a, I'm a black broker, right? With all of these black agents, and every time, what do we see black athletes, black entertainers, they don't use black real estate agents. Let's be clear. And when we talk to them, you know why they don't use them? Because their realtor is coming directly from their agent. Their realtor is coming directly from their team. They don't even have a say so in who their real estate agent is. I've had NBA player clients, but that is rare. So, and you know, I know that there is a lack of information. There's a lack of mentorship and there's a steering that is going on because even as a black top real estate brokerage in Florida, we're having to literally really dig our heels in the dirt just to go into the luxury market. This is no yeah. easy task. Yeah. No, no, exactly. no, I hear you 100%, right? And because, and that's, and you, and listen, as a black journalist, I get frustrated by that too. I look at black players when they go to other outlets and I'll say, why aren't you talking to the very, so it's about controlling it, the, 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 our own community, right? And that takes conversations like this, not uh, uh, just in black history, month, but daily to so that way we can change that narrative. But you know, it well, is- there are options so that you yeah, have absolutely. no choice. Absolutely. At a high so, level, like, 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 what she, like what Ms. Williams is doing. Exactly. Absolutely. All right, okay. we're gonna take a, Mark, did you wanna make a quick comment on that? Yeah, I was going to say, we've, we, we've made tremendous strides since George Floyd in, in that, I think, in corporate America. So we've been very lucky to be, you know, professionals in a time in America where this is front and center of every boardroom um, in, in every uh, corporate corporation, the S&P 500. Um, our, our firm, Wells Fargo, even went and said, we're going to stop doing mortgages except for African-Americans looking to purchase homes. So you, why was that exception made? Because of all the reasons we're talking about today. And you're hearing about that for the first time in American history. So we, we, we've made a lot of progress, but we've got more to go. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we've got more to go. We'll be right back. What it do, what it do, man. It's your boy Roscoe Dash, and this is The Street Soldier with Lisa Evers, man. Real issues, real politics, real people. Only on Hot 97. Let's do it. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on the new Black Wealth and the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us for this conversation, Jabari Young. He's a senior writer for Forbes. Jabari, great to have you with us. You have me a part of the conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you. Also with us is Tanisha Williams. She is a broker and owner of the Elite Realty Company. Tanisha, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mark C. Smith. He's a senior vice president and portfolio manager for Wells Fargo Advisors. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on, Lisa. Mark, what what advice do you have for people who are like, okay, paycheck to paycheck? There was this goes across, you know, the majority of working people in America 
of all races are living paycheck to paycheck. How do you get out of that so that you can start to save money for these down payments to get a home and to to get ahead and to build savings when people are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be alive in 10 years. Why do I have to save or whatever? Yeah, so listen, I, this is for the probably the, most of our viewers, right? Most of America lives paycheck to paycheck. So if you're if you're doing that and you don't want to do that, you've got a couple things that you control. Sometimes you don't control how much you're making right then in that second, but you control how much you're spending. And so it, you have to take a really hard look of where you live, um, because that's our biggest big, biggest expense. If you're living um, in an area that's too expensive for you, there may be somewhere forty minute drive away. That's um, a fraction of the price. Um, I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is about an hour ride from New York. And that's why that's why I grew up. You can buy a house in Bridgeport or a little two bedroom condo for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. You couldn't even dream of getting something like that in the five boroughs with, with over a thousand square feet. And you could commute back and forth. So that's just one example of what you may have to do in order to not live paycheck to paycheck is downsize or move to somewhere who's worth more affordable. Uh, the second thing you might want to look at is what you are actually doing for work. If are you are you possibly in a job that's a dead end job that's not doesn't have any uh, place where you can go and make more money five years from now? If you're in that type of role, take a, 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 a step and look at yourself and turn and be like, do I need to go back to school? Do I need to go to trade school even? Um, I know a plumber who's making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, we don't talk about that in schools anymore about those trade jobs that are making six figures now. And, and I, it, there's a huge shortage. And if you're building a house, you know that better than anyone else. If you're looking for an electrician, a plumber, a mason, you're waiting two, three months for these people to come to your job, and they're charging you an arm and a leg. So you may want to look at maybe I maybe I don't need to go to college. Maybe I just need to go to a trade school, be an apprentice for someone who's doing well, and start my own business. And so. That's all those things you can do to try to get out of this paycheck to paycheck thing is look at how much you're making and look how much you're spending. Jabari, with all the athletes that you've interviewed and the the ones that are especially successful with their money, because when you see these salaries, I mean, it's just mind blowing to the average person. You know, how many how many zeros, how many commas I divide this by two years or three years or whatever the contract is. Did the were there certain players or certain sports where you found that they had they had better approaches or had you know better advice in terms of what to do with their money? Well, you know, Lisa, listen, I mean, you're, you're talking, it's hard, right? You're talking about 20-year-old players that are coming in and becoming exposed to massive amount of money. Um, and, you know, listen, the human element, right, is, is something that we, we don't pay enough attention to. We can look at the metrics and talk about the numbers, but when you have that much money coming to you so fast, you know, you, you have family members, you take on more responsibility, your finances all of a sudden go up. You know, I thought Shaq, you know, when he went and did the drink tamp podcast, it was, it was phenomenal because, uh, you know, he was explaining how, you know, money was just going so fast, so quick, because you think that it's going to last forever, you know, and, and listen, the average person who may be listening to this show right now, right, or even on Hot 97, it's hard, right? It's hard to get out of that paycheck to paycheck right. cycle. But, you know, you can start by doing small things like getting out of the credit card debt. Right. You turn that paper around and you look at what the interest rate is. I was there. Right. I came up and filled off. I think a lot of us have been there. You were all there. Right. I mean, you you don't know. But when you, you know, you keep, get it, 100, Jabari, keep it a thousand here. OK, I, I keep it a thousand. Right. Mark, right. you spent all your money on books. Mine was on suits at Boyd's. Right. I, my first credit card, I was swiping it left and right. And, you know, it was such a hard time to pay it back. It took me about two, three years just to pay back a thousand dollars. Right. 
right? You can start by doing small stuff like that, getting yourself out of those cycles that we always find ourselves in, saving money, looking at things like interest rates, reading things like the financial section, New York Times, just to expose yourself to more of it. And I think I see more athletes doing things like that. When I talk to them, I see guys like CJ McCollum, he's doing things like that, building his own businesses. And I think that, that cycle, when we see stuff like that, it's only going to help change the narrative what we're talking about. No, absolutely. Tanisha, how did you educate yourself and give us an idea of your trajectory into being this you know, highly successful real estate broker, especially when there were, you know, you weren't dealt the best hand. Yeah. To, you know, for me, you have to really get some type of exposure that gives you a burning desire to want more. You know, I was pregnant at 15 years old. I had my daughter at 16 and more so because, you know, we had a great family, but my dad had a drug addiction off and on um, majority of my life. So that's kind of where that pain point was. But I made a decision that, you know, I wanted to take my daughter off to college, graduated from Florida A&M University. Um, but that was a bur- burning desire to want more. You know, I remember being in college and my mom went to the bank and she she needed some money or something like that. And they gave her a credit card because they thought she was me. So that limit started out at five thousand. And then because I kept paying on time, it went to ten thousand and then it went to twenty thousand and then it went to thirty thousand. I was 19 years old with a thirty thousand dollar limit from Bank of America. And I remember Obama had to put a stop to that. And that just lets you know that even when you get exposed to I might have been paying on time, but I was increasing the debt because I didn't know any better. So even though I was smart, I still didn't know any better. You can only you you only act based on what you know. And I think that if we continue to just push the information forward, for example, when I have my onboarding with so many different agents that look like me, you all would be surprised with just how much they just don't know. They're in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and they've never heard some of the things that I'm telling them. They're telling me that they're learning more from me in two weeks weeks than they did in their entire life. So just because you're on social media, let me tell you something, your algorithm, (laughs) your life is nothing but an algorithm. So we may think that people are supposed to be exposed to more because we are. But if your algorithm is nothing but rap music and foolishness, then you're not even getting to get the information because it's not in your algorithm. You're not around the people. You're still not getting it, even though it's at your fingertips. So I just think that it needs to be more people like us that's out here educating and doing because there's more little girls that's 15 and pregnant who may not have that burning desire, but they do have talent. You know, black people are talented people and we're not successful based on a lack of talent. It's just a, a lack of exposure. Right. And I, I want to just add, I, w- I want to add to that, Lisa, in that, you know, when you're looking at this exposure, there are places where you can get it. If you're like, if you're trying to find, well, where do I find these successful black people? That's what I was going to ask well, Mar- you. Mar- Martha's Vineyard in, in, in August is a, is just, is just uh, booming with all type of black wealth from all over the country that come and, and celebrate. There's a jazz fest there, Illumination Week. And you're, you have a number, if you can get out there once in your life, I highly recommend it. It's not the cheapest or the easiest thing to get to. No, it's amazing. That's one of, though, that's, it's amazing. And then you got, you got you got Essence Fest down south. Um, there's a number of different pla- uh, places where you can go and experience um, what we call success. The people that Tanisha's talking about, the folks that are uh, committed to saving and growing and, and trying to get real estate and build businesses and, and corporate America. And so I think I, I think every single person who's a client of mine who's African American have other people who are around them who are are, are trying to make them 
be better at what they're doing and trying to teach them things and, and grow wealth together. And so I really look at your cohort of who you're hanging out with every day. Is it people yes. who are spending nonstop or is it people who are saving and doing the right thing? Right. I think you'll see there's a strong correlation between who you hang out with and how much wealth you have. They well, say you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. That's what they say. Oh, really? Okay. So show me your friends and I'll, sh like they say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the new black wealth, the wealth gap, and how to get past it. Joining me for this amazing conversation, Jabari Young. He's a senior writer for Forbes. Jabari, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. We appreciate it. Also with us is Tanisha Williams. She's a broker, the broker, and the owner of Elite, um, a very big real estate agency in Florida. Tanisha, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thank you. Also, this is Mark C. Smith. He's a senior vice president and portfolio manager for Wells Fargo Advisors. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Jabari, when you look at sports, a lot of people think, okay, well, if I'm going to get rich, uh, it's good. I'm, gonna, I'm either going to be in the entertainment field or I'm going to be in the athletic field in some some kind of way. What kinds of what kinds of things have you seen? Uh, of some of the athletes that you've interviewed, like, do they mostly handle their own money? Do they have other people around them that kind of handle the money and give them allowances? I mean, how, do, how does that work when you're getting like $20 million a year? And you probably have like everybody, relatives that, you know, that you didn't even know you have calling you and friends remember me from grade school and, oh yeah, my mother used to talk to your mother, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how do they handle that kind of, that kind of pressure? Because there's, that's a big thing for any anybody. Yeah, you do. And, you know, listen, you know, athletes get very um, tedious money lessons right away uh, because, you know, again, you, you're, there's no more, um, you know, college professors if they go that route. You know, mom and dads, you know, they hold your hand. But you're talking about 41 nights uh, when you're, you have to be uh, an adult on the road with a massive amount of money in your hand. What do you do with that? You know, you, you see both sides of the spectrum. You see guys who live very frugal. You know, I covered the San Antonio Spurs for five years. I've seen guys who walk and they all the stuff that you we're talking about and the sneakers and the social media they can care less about that stuff it's like you know very thrifty clothing for those guys <laughs> some of those guys because they understand the value of money and they want to grow their money and they know what grows and what doesn't grow and that's why you don't see maybe the amount of uh, of luxury cars uh for certain players who i covered back then and then you see new age uh you know young guys who again you're coming into a certain amount of money and you do want to enjoy that and there's nothing wrong with it it's just again about going and sharpening up your specifics and being smart about your money. And so, listen, you also see both sides of the spectrum where guys have some good financial advice and then guys don't have some good financial advice. But at the end of the day, the financial advice only takes you but so far. You still got to make the decision. You still got to be aware. You still got to know what you're doing. You still got to know how to save your money. You still got to know where it's calculated at. It was a, a joke that Richard Pryor, God bless his life, said a long time ago. He was paranoid, right? Called up his account there in the middle. How much, how much is it? You know, you got to have that type of paranoia just so you can track things because a lot of what you find is that you, you just got guys that get taken advantage of because these athletes, they don't have time to pay attention to all of this stuff because no, they're just and, and focused the, on their Right. And the game is the end product of what their lifestyle Absolutely. is because they're training, they're, you know, they're practicing, they, they're traveling, they're, they have all of that that's going on too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm sure. And, and, and I'm sure when they see that salary, they want, they, 
these certain organizations, well, it, it, advisors, it, all kinds of advisors. It goes back to the education. This is why you got brothers like Mark on the line, right? This is why it goes back to even athletes educating, re-educating themselves. And even, again, we touch on it going back to hitting students at younger ages. You know, when, and when you're talking about NIL, which is going to be very, very interesting, how to change the landscape. It right. really is because you're going to have a lot of uh, money coming to pe- younger people very fast and sooner in their lives. And so we got an opportunity here. You can see a tremendous wealth gap grow or you can see something where you'll see a lot of people get hurt. And I think this is a great opportunity, again, to reeducate and learn, because once you get to that point and you get to the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, you don't have a lot of people feeling sorry for you. You want to have people just kind of so- come left and right. Right. Yeah. So Lisa, NIL is name, image and likeness. It's just yes. it's something that for the first time. In, in, co- in collegiate sports uh, history that you're able to legally, okay, <laughs> let me make sure everybody's because people, this has been happening before, but now you can legally make money off your name, image, and likeness as an athlete. And why this is so important to Jabari's point is that now you had, you know, when you were 21, t- 22 years old coming into possibly six figures, seven figures of money. Now when you're 18 years old, you're going to be, you could possibly be an athlete that comes into a mid six figure or seven figure check. And so it's so important again to learn what you need before you get the money. Because by that time, by the time you get the money, it's too, and many times it's too late because you're already making bad choices with the money that you have. So you really got to act like in, co- in high school before you get into that college level and start making that money. In high school, you really start taking the classes and asking the right questions and getting the right mentors around you so that if you do have an opportunity to get one of these big checks, you're doing the right thing. You've got a good team behind you to make the right decisions from the jump. And you're not learning by making mistakes with your hard earned money that no, a lot of exactly. times you may never see again. Exactly. Yeah, Mark, you said 18 It's 16. Now there's a league overtime elite league down in Atlanta, uh, right? They're owned by overtime media company, which is invested uh, by uh, major corporations like Liberty media that pays athletes 16 years old, a hundred thousand dollars to play. Right. So well, hopefully some of them are female. We're, we're, we're up against the clock, up against the clock, which all you guys understand. And, and hopefully some of those are female athletes who are getting some of that NIL uh, money, but I want to yeah. talk. I want to talk about women, Tanisha. When uh, we we were talking talking, we we lost uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court justice. I was looking through, you know, looking through her bio, and we were doing stories about her, her tremendous accomplishments. And then it came out that women on their own could not own property um, up until 1974. So as hip hop was getting like, you know, the, at the beginning of hip hop, it's like women still could not own their own home. What are you seeing for women? Homo who want to become homeowners, single women coming to you or single moms? Oh, it's twice as hard. You know, we're, we know that most single parents are single mothers. So to try to buy a home and you're, you know, probably not even getting child support. And I say that only based on the buyers that are coming through. I don't know as a whole, but not even getting child support, trying to buy a home is really hard for them. That's why I'm so happy to see Mark and Jabari on here, because we need black leaders. We need black kings to, to teach other black men, even the ones that are listening in right now just to see somebody relatable that looks like you, you know, that can teach you and show you, you know, go follow Jabari, go follow Mark on social media, let them pour into you, even if it's from a distance, you know, now you can have virtual mentors, you don't have to ever meet them, but you can hang on to their every word. And, And that's what I love about it. So as a black female that knows that everything is twice as hard for us, I also know that it's hard for our black men. I look at my black husband, you know, who's who's struggling to make sure that he 
leads this family. So I think that it's both. I don't want to ever single out black women. It's black men. It's black women. We need to hold each other up, build each other up. And let's really help change the trajectory of our culture. All right, Tanisha, what advice, what advice do you have for men and women who want to become first time homeowners? Save the money. Success. <laughs> There's no way to get around that. Yeah. There's no like magic. You can't get, away, you can't get around the hard work. You can't get around the sacrifice. Everybody wants success, but very few people are willing to sacrifice. Okay. When you understand delayed gratification, your life will change forever. Forever. Do, do not be anxious for anything. Always just focus on sacrificing and the success will come. All right. That's a great point. Uh, Tanisha Williams, thank you so much for being with us. Jabari, last uh, last word there. Any advice for because, you know, you know, there's there's parents watching, too, that think their kid is the next superstar athlete. What what advice do you have for, uh, you know, for us about this? Well, I don't know if those uh, parents that have the superstar athletes going to listen to me. Um, so, you know, <laughs> the message is to the masses. And I will tell them, be open minded. Uh, again, I can't mention Tulsa, Oklahoma enough. That place is trying to build a uh, a new black hub for for for, for tech for tech. Um, you know, they, they want black entrepreneurs. I was in Detroit for the Forbes 30 under 30. I see a community there that's just together. Um, be open minded, you know, get out of your own communities, go to other spots, because when you talk about Black Wall Street, it just wasn't one. Right. It was a whole bunch of them all throughout the country. So uh, I think that level of information, that level of communication, the conversation that we're having right now, continue those. And we're only going to change the narrative and, and change this conversation in the years to come. No, absolutely. And, and, and hopefully do a follow up with a, a whole new set of developments and uh, tremendous progress. Mark, fi- final words. What do you say to people that I'm sure probably in your field, you're, you're seeing people making the same mistakes over and over and over again. What mistakes should we avoid? How do we avoid those? Yeah, the main mistake that we're all making, again, is living beyond our means. And I don't even know if that comes down to a racial thing. I think that's just the American oh. way. <laughs> and, um, and, so, and so I would say stop doing it. You know, that's the first thing. Stop living above your means. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, really focus in on how you can save wealth every single day, which is about having a budget, formulating it, knowing it like you know your cell phone number. That means how much money do you do you make every single month? How much do you spend every single month? And not have it be this guessing game about how much money is going in and out. You should know the dime that you, the, the, every dime that you have, where it's allocated, where it's going. That's the only way you're going to grow wealth. It's not a mystery. It's not a mis- it's not a mistake that happened. It's not the luck of the draw. It's you putting in that hard work and doing something every day to make your net worth go higher. All right. I want to thank you all for being with us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers. Jabari Young, Tanisha Williams, Mark C. Smith. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for joining us for Street Soldiers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.